Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis, where we invite you into honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season three. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast. I am so excited, which I know you're laughing because I think I say that every time I introduce our guest. But I seriously can say, I think that today, this podcast is my favorite of all time because we have, as our special guest, our adult children, our three biological sons. And regardless if you are single, if you are married with young children, if you are a single parent, um, if you are like us and you're older and your kids are older, I really have been challenged through this conversation that we are always growing and learning. In fact, I've known these people their whole lives and I learned things about them and just about life. And so I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with our family. Uh, before we dive in, we want to let you know that we're dropping this episode on December the 19th, which is six days before Christmas. And the book that I released in October, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect, How Transparency Leads to Transformation, uh, hit the I almost said the New York Times bestseller list. No, it hit the USA Today bestseller <laughs> list, though. And you can get it for 11% off on Amazon, which is just Woo-hoo. 1% greater than 10. I will say what I love about Justin's book, I think just even talking about it before you listen to the podcast is it has really been our family's life theme about how to be real and know that we don't have to be perfect. And we have gotten this wrong a lot of in a lot of ways. But I think that this conversation today is really an extension of what you wrote about the book. And so if you are looking for a way to kind of break that habit of people pleasing or perfectionism, this book is just such a good read. And I hope that it blesses you and helps you break the cycle of like how to just live transformed and be real in in a hard world and know that you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. So if you take nothing away from this conversation we're getting ready to dive into is that Trish and I are not perfect and we do our best to be real (laughs) as parents. And so we hope you enjoy this episode of the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin, Trish, Micah, Elijah, and Isaiah Davis. All right, everybody. Well, we've got the crew here with us today. Um, If you have been around Refinus Ministries, the last time we did this together, this type of conversation, uh, the kids were, what was that 12 years ago? We were actually kids. Yeah. We were, we were actually kids. <laughs> the, it was uh, 2015. No, 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 no. It was way earlier. No, yeah, yeah, 2013. 2013. We're in the Glenridge house. My dog's in this. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get started, I mean, obviously we could introduce you, but give us like just a 30,000 foot, you know, view of. Yeah, how old you are now? What you're doing in life? Your stats? All that. Your stuff. favorite Marvel movie? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm Micah. I'm 27. Married to Riley for five years now. I'm a pastor in the city of Indianapolis. And favorite Marvel movie is probably Endgame. Gotta be. <laughs> It's been over since Endgame, basically, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I hopped off there. <laughs> I was like, they're like, they're still going? The story's over. Um, uh, hi, I'm Elijah. Uh, I, I don't know if I should look at the camera, but hi. Um, I am 24 years old. I am a I'm getting my master's in mental health counseling uh, right now um, uh, with an emphasis in traumatology. 
and I'm going to work my way up to a doctorate for that. Um, so I'm just in school forever. It's great. Love it. And um, oh, what else do I do? Um, yeah, I think that's good. Oh, a favorite Marvel movie. Uh, mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Iron Man, the first one. I guess it's great, yeah. <laughs> After that, I'm like, it's declining quality. <laughs> um, I'm Isaiah. I'm a student at Lipscomb University. I study PR there. I'm also a photographer. I've grown quite a bit since the last time we've done this. Like, uh, like physically grown twice in size. For those that don't know me, I'm six foot eight. Um, so so cool. I love it. I'm the I'm the youngest out of these three, but I'm the tallest, so I rub it in their face quite a bit. Oh, I love it because I, whenever you come home, I get to like I get to lay my head on your chest, and I'm like, yes. Um, favorite Marvel movie? Um, I'm a huge junkie, so I would I would probably say tie up between Infinity War. And I've really been loving Wakanda Forever recently. So, so good. good. Yeah, it's so a really good, good film. That's so good. What about you, babe? What's your favorite? Um, I like uh, probably Endgame or what's the one before the Infinity War? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fire. So those two probably are tied for me. Um, I, anything that is a like predetermined sequel, it takes it down a notch for me. So, you know, and I mean, they all were predetermined sequels, but Infinity War is probably a little notch down because it was already predetermined that it was going to be a sequel to Endgame. So, yeah. yeah. What's funny is the girl out of the bunch, I have probably watched all of the movies a thousand times more than yeah. all of you. It's like mom's guilty pleasure. It is. In fact, <laughs> I am watching Winter Soldier as we speak. Um, so, we thought we would start out a little like lighthearted, uh, kind of the you know positive side of parenting and family, and then we'll kind of get into a little bit more of the let's get real, the, the, uh-huh. the let's get real part of this podcast. Um, do you want to ask the first question? Sure. So, looking back at your childhood, I feel like Dr. Phil right now. <laughs> uh, back, what, are, what are one or two things that you appreciate now that maybe you didn't understand or maybe couldn't appreciate when you were kids? Um, just in a positive way. It's things that, uh, okay, Isaiah. I'll start us off. Um, <laughs> He's raising his I'm ready. Hand. I'm ready. You're the one. are you this conversation? Mike can talk for Isaiah his entire childhood, so Isaiah's taking you. my time to shine. Go, Isaiah, go. Uh, no, what I, what I think of is uh, our biggest, not necessarily rule, but I guess uh, thing that we carry in our house is uh, no lies. So just being yeah. honest. For everything we do, um, and I face the consequences of this when I peed on a tree. First grade, we go right there, and, <laughs> and I lied about it. It's uh, the last time he did. By the somebody, way. I'm not going to say who, spoke um, to his church about this story, and I uh, was embarrassed from my friends. But looking back on it now, it is um, something that I think has built my character and all of our character up, um, and I appreciate. Um, so much of just the transparency and the honesty that we all have. I think it's allowed us to have um, just the relationship that we all have that we're able to sit here and um, even talk about this just because of all of our stories and being honest. So I can piggyback off that because I was just writing the other day about the time where I failed a test, (laughs) threw it away and lied to you guys about it. And then came into the classroom and dad was sitting there with the teacher <laughs> with the crumpled up test that I thought was obliterated <laughs> in my first grade mind or second grade mind, whatever. Um, 
And so just overall, the general just like instruction, I think I look back on my childhood. In the moment, it was painful. In the moment, I didn't understand. In the moment, I didn't like it. But, you know, the further removed I get from that and into adulthood and um, seeking to start a family here soon, the more I think about how intentional you guys were with the instruction that you guys gave us and the boundaries that you set around us to allow us to be and become who we are. Mm. Good. Yeah, I've, I've never lied, so <laughs> can't really lie to me. But I think for me, um, it, it's weird. I'm living back with my family again because I'm in grad school and I now have no money. Um, so um, seeing seeing your parents parent because we have we have two um, younger siblings who are adopted. They're they're a lot younger than us. I think it's like 12 years younger than Mike. So just completely huge generational gap and I've noticed how uh, gentle my parents have always been but how much more gentler they've become like just over time um, especially my dad I, I did not give this dude any grace growing up um, I like mom's perfect and she is perfect so um, but um, we all know that <laughs> yeah, like we already know that but I, me, and, me, and, me and dad I tell people when, when I talk about dad I, I say that that our love's like a contact sport like well, well we're gonna get into it <laughs> um, and, um, and as you know as a kid you don't really know how to do that but as, a, as adults me and dad know how to do that respectfully and he's He's never I've been slow to apologize. When he knows that he's wrong, it's immediate. It's immediately saying, I'm sorry. And like I didn't know that wasn't like a typical male thing. I thought like the way that dad showed the parameters of masculinity in our house was gentle and was not needing to be right all the time. Um, though he, he would want to sometimes uh, be right, but um but um and um and just and just kind. He just was he's never um, he's, he's never been mean and I just, I, yeah, I don't know. And I, I, I've really come to value that, um, over time. And so when I talk to people about my parents, um, especially my, my dad, they're all like, your parents sound like amazing. And I'm like, yeah, they, they are. And it's like, Oh, I didn't realize it. So just them as a whole, they're amazing. Yay. <laughs> Let's get into what we've caused you to go to counseling. For. <laughs> well, in our house, I mean, between the three boys the you three boys men uh totally different personalities like three completely different personalities it's funny there's micah and then there's elijah and then i feel like isaiah you were split in half and you're like a little bit of both um <laughs> What is maybe one positive and and then maybe one thing that you wish we would have done better? I don't say better, but you wish we knew about you and your personality growing up that we may have like missed the mark on. Jeez. Um, I think um, one of the things I struggled with growing up, I was insanely introverted. Um, if like you knew me when I was a kid and you see me now, you're you're probably like, what the heck? But I think like like mom said, uh, I'm very much um, tame like Micah is, uh, but I can also be pretty wild like Elijah is, um, and he loves that. So I'm, I'm not being mean. He 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 uh, he'll take that in. Uh, but I think um, I think both of uh, you guys allowed me to grow into that. Um, it was never. Um, I was never shamed for being a quiet person. And um, mm. I think 
to go on the negative side of things, I think I definitely could have been pushed a little bit more. Um, I think that's something that looking back, I'm like, okay, like there's a lot of um, growth that I feel like I had later in life that I think I could have had earlier on. Um, but that's also not necessarily on you guys. It's a, um, you know, my own personal uh, story. Oh, okay. uh, the rest of the family's going, he's the baby. <laughs> <It's like pottery>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, was, yeah. I will say, though, Isaiah, for you, it was just, I, I think we completely own that. Let's just everybody look at me and say, <laughs> I completely own that, coddling. Um, but I think when we adopted Jalen and Janiya, yeah. Micah and Elijah were out of the house, you know, pretty soon after. And our house was really intense of just the trauma that they were going through. And that really was kind of your stepping into, you went from the baby to like being almost the oldest, mm-hmm. at, at least under our house yeah. on the daily. Um, would you say that that helped you step out of your shell and kind mm-hmm. of a leadership role? Yeah. And I think, um, having these two to model that for me also Mm. to where, okay, once they're out of the house, I still had all of these memories of seeing them do the right thing, even if they didn't necessarily tell me. And so, you know, to be able to have uh, Jalen and Janiah come in the house, I'm able to say, okay, like, this is really different. This is really hard, but I had those traits established um, from them to where it didn't feel unnatural um, when I had to step into that role. Um, which shows, I think shows the character of you guys and these two. So that's cool. Go bros. Would you say that like you're, I feel like you are an extrovert now. Would you say that you're an extrovert? I feel like like everybody knows you and stuff. Uh, I'm definitely a people person. Yeah. Um, but I, I get pretty drained. Um, after a while, I like to go back and just watch Marvel. Um, (laughs) yeah, I I get, I get pretty drained. So, but I, I love talking to people. I feel like I'm pretty social now for sure. But Mm -hmm. yeah. You guys. Either one of you. Um, in your specific to like your personality, what you maybe felt like we did well, or like you wish we would have known. I think mine's the opposite of Isaiah. It's almost like I'm an antisocial extrovert. Like I, <laughs> um, I, I am extroverted. I'm, I'm, I'm finally admitting uh, that I'm extroverted. I get like this is like fuel me up. I'm like on like four hours of sleep right now. I've been doing homework like all last night, and now I'm like jazzed because I get to be like, yeah, like so. Um, but um, I, but it's hard for me to seek out people. I hate asking for help, and um, and it's not pride. It's fear of being a burden, and um, I I felt and not that my family's ever made me feel that way, um, but I never wanted that to be a risk. And so because I'm um, in Enneagram Four, their their big fear is being abandoned, and so it's like that um, that fear of if I ask for help, I'll push the envelope too far and I'll be too much. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just hide in my room. Um, and I, and I would just hide up in my room pretty much my entire, um, teenage years. And I was like going through it. And I think, um, one of the things that was really hard for me is that I was in the process and it's that weird part of like, as a, an, another individual really can't come into your process and solve it for you. Parent, mentor, friends, like they can be alongside you, but they can't really process your process for you. And so, um, but I, I think that was really hard for me to understand as a, as a kid that I had to do that, um, that you, you are doing a life on your own essentially. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think my withdrawing, not being 
me hating people or not wanting to hang out with people, but me actually being fearful of going out there. Um, that's kind of, it's like, yeah, it's a catch 22 of it. Um, and realize actually I do want people around, but, um, it, it's hard, uh, for me to make that move. And I'm still figuring that out at 24. Um, yeah, I think for me, it really was around, I think the mantra that you guys used growing up, uh, was, um, something along the lines of like, we don't expect you to be perfect. We expect you to do your best. I think you guys did a great job at like framing for us what success is and that it wasn't results oriented. It was effort oriented. And are we, are we putting forth our best effort? Are we, are we giving it our best shot? Are we showing up? And so I think that was, that was a really healthy thing that was modeled. But I think at the same time, there's always been an underpinning of competition in our family. And so even though it's been, it's your best effort, there's always been an underlying, but it's also who wins and it's also who's the best and who's first. And so I think that competitive nature in our family, um, and obviously that was probably most explicit through our basketball journeys and basketball careers. And I think on the other side of that with Isaiah and I both now not playing, um, and I know that was something Elijah felt all throughout childhood, never playing, but um, I think on the other side of that, it's gotten healthier, but I still Mm -hmm. think that exists amongst us, you know, that we're, that's part of its personality driven. We're all wired that way. Yeah. But I think there was that dichotomy of like, give your best effort, but also win, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was, a that's, that change. actually that's is very interesting. Interesting. Like, I'm surprised by that. Dad was like shaking his head. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's surprising to me. Not in a bad like, way, I guess. Don't you think all kids, I mean, I think all kids are in competition for their parents' attention in the most healthiest of families. But I think, I just think of, you know, like, um, my, my, my biggest memory is just the driveway in Nashville. <laughs> it was just like, we were just wait, wait, you mean when Micah broke my ankles? Or? <laughs> constantly talking trash. That was really, really funny. <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah, to me, that was like banter. Like I didn't, I guess I didn't realize like the level of intake that was, for, for mm. you guys, I mean, I think for my personality, like belonging is such an important thing to me that I, I was probably more of the referee in that equation than I was a part of the team. Yeah. And not always the fun referee. Well, I do want to highlight something that I think is, is very unique. And maybe Elijah, you can kind of speak to this because you and I have had a conversation about this. Um, and if you need me to edit it, I will, but, okay. um, you know, we had this saying, you know, and Trish was very, very consistent with this. Like, you're going to change the world one day. You're going to be a world changer. You're going to be a world changer. God's going to use you to yeah. change the world. And th- I, I just thought of this when you guys were talking. But Micah adopted that, got it tattooed onto his body as his, <laughs> as his, as his first tattoo. But Elijah, it really made you like feel pressure and weight to live up to a standard that you didn't think you could live up to. Yeah, all I ended up with is uh, is tired. Um, that's all I I, I kind of got. And when when you're trying to, um, I don't know, it's weird. We're, us three are wired so differently. I cannot communicate that into a podcast. And um, and so when I when I speak about my wiring, that's probably not going to be how Micah and Isaiah are impacted because we're so unique. And the way that I took that charge to change the world. 
it wasn't um, the belief of my parents um, that like is encouraging. And for Micah, I think that was, it was like, wow, my parents believe me to be capable of that. For me, it was, this is like um, a duty and I, I have to do it. And, um, mm-hmm. and when that happens, that thing that can become really professional, changing the world can be a profession that can be something you do. It's not really who you are. For me, my doing is my being, which is totally not healthy, and I'm trying to figure out how to separate those things. But, um, but that that's how it felt was that if I don't do this, I'm I'm just worthless, and um, and that wasn't, and it's like one of those things is like this person's like being raised and has no idea what's going on inside of them. I didn't even know, um, but it made me run away, um, not from like their house literally, but like I I moved out to the West Coast. I pretty much completely denied all burden of wanting to help people because I, I was just, I was just done. Um, and that, that, that really, um, yeah, put pressure on, on my faith, put pressure on my relationships with pretty much everybody. And, um, at that point I just was like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I just want to take care of myself. And, well, uh, yeah, I think it's an important conversation because I think mom and I had really like noble intentions and Yo, like, yeah, it was a yeah. belief you know, it was a belief that we knew that God could use you guys to change the world. And we still believe that. But I think it's important for parents, if you have if you have parents of young kids, to one of the things I didn't do was recognize those personality differences and recognize and take time to understand how people are receiving information, not just how you're dispensing it. Mm, because wow. it can impact, you know, something that you you have 100% like uh, positivity behind can be received uh, in a negative way, if you don't uh, take time to understand that not every kid is the same. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight that because I felt like that was a good. Uh, I, I think you kind of led into, you know, our next question. Uh, people who have spent time around the Let's Get Real podcast or Refinest Ministries knows our story of our marriage imploding and, uh, you know, dad and I being separated. And you guys were, what, nine? Six and six three. and. Four, three. three. I don't remember it. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I'll let these guys answer I thought, that. One. I thought I was um, seven. That's why I, I thought it was, it was two thousand and five. It's nine. I was two. Fourth grade. You were two. I was two years old. So keep me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but that the trajectory of our family changed, and I think Micah, you understood the brunt of our. You know, really, you were in fourth grade kindergarten or first grade when we started uh genesis uh our first church plant you invited like i think a majority of your first grade class was coming to our um to our church by your invitation like we just had the invitations out and you were like i'm taking some we're like cool um (laughs) do your best (laughs) <laughs> That's all you said. We took those invitations. <laughs> like, get everyone there. We're doing clickers. Go back to counseling now. Oh, yeah, missed the mark on that. Um, but I think from from that trajectory, then we got out of ministry. We started going to a nearby church that, like, really was in your guys' informative years of youth group uh, with a, a church here uh, in the Indy area. And then we moved to Nashville. Dad goes back on staff. And, like, a majority of your guys' life was both in and out of, like, church trauma. 
like you've had really great good church experiences and our time at cross point was incredible in nashville and then things went off the rails there even though like we had left a year prior before kind of the church started to blow up but all along your journey there are so many let's just pick one that you could have said screw god screw church screw like community when you think about your own personal journey in our family and your faith is there like i i don't even know how to quantify this in a question but what has kind of i guess maybe kept you close to god or wanting you to have a relationship with god in the midst of all of that i think just grasping um just a theology of suffering and one that normalizes difficulty and strain and just the effects of sin on the world. And I think, you know, growing up in church, we heard all the stories in the scriptures and each and every one is a story of suffering in some sense, you know, Mm. Uh, in between the garden state of Eden and the garden state of revelation, it's turmoil and chaos and, difficulty, you know? And so I think just recognizing like, this is, this is par for the course and our response matters more than, um, the actual circumstances surrounding us. And so I don't intrinsically know where that, um, came from. Uh, but I think there was just a bend of, um, endurance and remaining faithful in adversity that, this is what a follower of Jesus does, you know? Um, and I think over time, the longer that I've followed Jesus, the more that that uh, truth has held its weight of regardless of whether people are faithful or not, God is always faithful. And he's proven that time and time again in my life, you know? So. Do you think that like uh, for you personally, Micah, bearing the brunt of our story and really, you know, aware of a sense of, you know, the hard in it. One thing that was really important for dad and I, and I'm just interested in your response to that, is that other voices were speaking into you other than our voice. I think as parents, it's really easy to try and be the voice. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else is the supporting actors to our voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you say that other voices, other community helped you in that journey aside from dad and I? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think it's important to know for any parents listening that no one can replace you. So no one can replace mom and dad, you know, like that (laughs) voice is like the, I would argue one of, if not the most formative voices in a child's development, certainly the most spiritually formative in terms of, you know, spiritual impact, um, do no more than just proximity on a daily basis of there's no one who's impacting uh, an individual more than the person in someone's direct household. So, but I would say in that, yeah, there was certainly this, like we grew up in a village, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that was part of, we always, we moved around so much, but every place had its people. And we always found ourselves like in a thick web of community. And we had these rituals. Like it was just like every Monday night, we're going to Mexican, you know, like it was like, we're always doing stuff like that. That was like, 
they were anchors in our week. Like if we didn't do it, it was like my whole whole week was thrown off, you know, like I was like, I want to go. And so, yeah, I think that was a a really important aspect of, of development was just having other voices. And that's continued on the more, the older I get, the more voices I want speaking into my life and the older I want them to be. There's just a a weight of that comes with experience and suffering in life that a lot of these older formative voices in my life have experienced that I haven't yet, but know that I will. And they're giving me language of how to walk through it well. I couldn't help but laugh when you said Mexican Mondays (laughs) because Micah and I had a moment when you started first driving. Remember that? (laughs) It was... That was a rough night. Monday Mexican and about came out of my skin. <laughs> you got to tell him the story. Like you get, you get to get the context. Well, he like went over the curb at the Mexican restaurant right yeah. in front of me as he was getting his. No, yeah, it was while well, you weren't in the car. It was I know. Me, I, was Micah. I don't know. Were you guys car. with us? I was in the car. Micah started weeping. Micah did not want to listen to me, and so he like rushed, which is funny to your personality now, and he like jacked it like in the minivan and curved it forward it was it was really funny but we got into this huge like it was this like fight but not fight and then we walked into mexican monday with our heads all down like we had just fought and what was funny is they both agreed let's not tell dad about that but i saw the whole thing (laughs) i came and i was like what the just happened out there. Good times. All right, Isaiah, we'll, we'll throw that question to you. Um, I think the big thing um, when it comes to whether it's hurt in the church or just in, you know, spiritual formation in itself, um, you know, through my journey, I've seen it through mentors. I've seen it through schools. I've seen it through churches. Um, but I think, um, and I've honestly been, it's, it's a... It's a part of my life that I still even struggle with. Um, you know, I, I, I remember just waking up a few weeks ago and um, just seeing, you know, friends nearby who are um, getting diseases and tumors and, and cancer. And, um, you know, I turn on the news and see what's happening in Israel. And I think what I asked myself during that time that I also asked myself when I have struggle with spiritual formation is why God? And, Mm. you know, I think that's the fundamental question that I think we all carry when we are in those moments and we're in those seasons of uh, church hurt or just hurt in general. Um, And so I think when I start to realize that God is working in so many different ways um, outside of just those things, and, you know, one of the things I've been talking to with about my professors at Lipscomb is, you know, just seeing the intentional detail, um, just something new every day, uh, whether it's, you know, it's funny. He said, don't just go outside and look at it and just go, okay, tree, you know, <laughs> um, but seriously, just spending time in your relationships and your conversations and, um, mm-hmm. the time and the investment. And, um, you know, one of our favorite stories is, um, just how I invited, uh, my best friend in sixth grade to come to our church and he invited a friend who invited a friend who invited a friend and all four of them got baptized. And um, one of them is actually serving at Elevation Church now. And so, um, you know, going back, um, it's kind of what Micah said too. Um, you know, there's nowhere in scripture where the church is just balling, you know, like from the get go, it's just clashing, you know, debating, um, persecution. And so I think, having that perspective change of, okay, it's not going to be 
sunshine, sunshine and rainbows. It's not going to be um, perfect, but um, understanding that you know Jesus came and went through not just what I went through, but worse, and mm. showed us the way to work through that and to persevere through it and to learn from it. Um, I think that trumps all the other pain um, and all other aspects of life. And so I think that's kind of been the driving force for me um, on my journey as I try to figure out um, these hard questions. And honestly, I think sometimes it's good to not have the answer. Because um, I think wow. when you have one specific answer, um, it can narrow your perspective. And so um, I think just keeping that broad mind and, and seeking and trusting is probably the biggest thing for me. Dude, if I do that at 21, or uh, as we had to say about 21, I good goodness that, that's freaking crazy that you're like just sitting there that's amazing you know it's uh it's not a podcast interview unless i throw a book quote out and <laughs> it was interesting i was just reading uh timothy keller wrote a book called forgive and he he made this note about how jesus wasn't on the cross saying uh my feet my feet or my arms my arm or my head my head he said my god my god why have you forsaken me and his whole point was while jesus is on the cross he could have been focusing on the physical pain that he was enduring or the asphyxiation that was happening on the cross, but it was the spiritual separation that he took the brunt of for all of us on the cross. Mm. And that, that fundamental question, God, why? Mm-hmm. And understanding that Jesus recognizes our pain and like uh, empathizes with it better than literally anyone else can because he experienced what we all deserve. Mm-hmm. I just thought that point was so interesting, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm so yeah. glad you pulled that out. That's great. I think, you know, to let you answer that, Elijah, for all of us and and for the person listening to this, I think oftentimes when we talk about getting to the other side of suffering and it, it could almost, if you're listening to this and you're in the midst of suffering, I mean, there are some times we could have done this podcast and we all would have been angsty and been like, what the what? And, <laughs> Um, like the time right now, I'm sure. <laughs> That's but, a black eyeliner on. I think <laughs> we can, um, dad and I talk about this a lot that we can almost negate the work that people have done as they're living in their joy or living in that place of presence with God. But even on the other side, it's not the other side of like it all like it's just the next yeah and i think for you elijah you know you it's interesting as you talk about not as a four and then just your childhood you know people who don't know like you were a very sick child you struggled with asthma um you struggled with allergies like there was a lot of physical struggle for you that helped um you grow in, in in perseverance, but I think it also, you and I have talked about how that, uh, I think unknowingly to me and dad, shaped a part of your heart towards God that we were not even really aware of. Yeah. Um, my my pastor, Luke, uh, or my friend, pastor, I don't know, uh, I ran into a coffee house and I was just telling him about my life and kind of an update. We hadn't talked in years. And he was just like, dude, I don't, I don't know why. He's like, but you are on a, um, on, I forget what he said, but just like an immense path of suffering. And I, um, 
I don't, I don't feel like it's prideful to say that the, the, the suffering that I face is, is quite unique and quite heavy from our family. And I'm not going to go into it because it's a podcast. I don't know. I, I don't know you guys. I'm sorry. Uh, but, um, and I'm still processing through it. So I was like, yeah. I'm, just not, I'm not ready Absolutely. to go there. But, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, my favorite book in the Bible is Job. <laughs> and so, cause I, cause I get it. I totally get it. Um, and one of my favorite trans- translators of it, um, he kind of breaks down the arguments and Job says, um, Job says, I'm, I'm innocent. Suffering comes from God. Therefore God is unjust. And the friends say God is just and suffering comes from God. Therefore Job is guilty. When the reality is that suffering comes from, from God and, uh, God is just and Job is innocent and there's no causation. There's no therefore. Mm. And, um, and I think that is, that's true. And, you know, James says, consider it a great joy when suffering comes your way. I, I really like this. I'm, I'm kind of like the hippie of the family. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to deny it. Um, my, my theology is, is much more liberal and, and just a little bit, a little bit different from my family and, and for just my own journey. And so, um, and so when Mike was talking about a perspective that's much more with like atonement theology. I really like it. Was, the way that you presented it was so cool because it kind of made me realize like Jesus never played the victim. You know, Jesus was never like, well, I was crucified to so like screw all, <laughs> screw all you guys. Yeah, like, like, but like he has every right to, and he has every right to say, look what I suffered because of you. And, um, I, I it, but he doesn't, he never throws that in our face. And so there's grace, there's forgiveness. I think that's, it's really beautiful. But for me, I, I did throw away like everything. I threw away God, religion, Christian, all of it. I was, I was done. And so for, um, and I was really honest with my family about that. And my parents let me exist in that. They didn't disown me. Um, they let me wrestle. And the really cool thing about God is that God is infinite in his love and also in his patience. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need me to believe in him to still be God. And so he could handle me being away. That's like why the prodigal son story is so amazing is that the father was ready for when the son came back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even if I had it, I don't know, but, um, but I, I, I love, I love Christianity. Um, it's the language that speaks most to me about my spiritual journey. And so I've come back to that. Um, but I think the way that I've understood that and um, taken into it is kind of, what Isaiah is realizing right now, I'm just now realizing, is that Jesus never guarantees that this is like certain. He's he's inviting you into mystery, and God is so big, like God's so immense, and so um, the contradictions, the paradox, that God exists in that, and um, and you feeling um, comforted or comfortable. I will say, isn't really like the, the point. Like Jesus, Jesus's burden is light, but it is a burden and it's meant to challenge you and it's meant to stir your heart, but it's to create, um, I don't know, love for other people through your suffering. And I think that's been the biggest thing for me is that as I've been going through suffering, um, I think there's been a lot of opportunities for me to harden my heart. And there's been moments where I have hardened my heart. Um, but um, as it keeps on going, it's breaking my heart for other people now because I, I've been exposed to suffering and I'm like, oh, there are others that go through this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah. 
So, you know, our story is 18 years old. Um, so I know it has an effect on you guys and it has impacted you guys. And in, in, in some ways, we don't relive it, but we retell it. Right. right. And so that does have an impact on you guys. I, I was at a basketball game for Janiah last week and um, a lady that I don't know uh, came up to me and said, I just got in listening to your book. And it was very intimidating to me because I felt like exposed. Like, I don't know this person, and but she knows a lot about me. And I'm sure that, that you guys have experienced that as mom and I travel and speak and share, you know, our family's story with literally thousands of people every year. But that, that story in and of itself is 18 years old. Since that time, though, um, we've... Since that time, we've had a lot of problems. We've started a church and closed it. We've... Found out that our dads aren't our dads. Your dad is your dad. Yes, uh, yes. But, JD is our dad. Right. <laughs> <We're good. laughs> but, you know, mom and I have, have found that out. Um, we have, you know, gone through some stuff with um, our adopted kids. Uh, we've experienced heartache and wounds as a family. Um, what have those hardships taught you about yourself? What have they taught you about our family? Um, either one of those specifically familial or like us as individuals. Just. Either one. Like, what 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 is the stuff that we've experienced as a family? What's it taught about taught you about you, and what's it taught you about our family? Okay. And or you could answer both, or just one, or neither. I didn't realize this. You're sitting in birth order. Yeah. And they're wearing all Indiana gear. <laughs> Colts, Indiana Butler, which is these socks are knuckles. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think more personally, as you I have are walking into, or you know. Manhood, Micah, you've been married now for five years, holding, you know, space to start a family soon. Um, you're not the little boys that walked through our story 18 years ago. You're like completely different people. And so now you've you watched us kind of, you know, when the world fell apart for both of us, you guys immediately... I think, Elijah, you may have been living in Portland still. You flew home. You guys sat with us, cried with us. Um, You know, I I wouldn't say how our story impacted you. I I think think the the, the collective, yeah, like more the collective journey of our family. What's it taught you about, you know, our family values or about our family in general? I feel like it's, it's fresh. Like, it's weird. I'm still kind of, this is like fresh processing. I mean, like really talk to this with mom and dad. It's like, Oh boy. Our, um, our family tree isn't really a family tree. Like, and, um, it's because we don't know it. Like I, I really have no idea who the heck my grandfather is. And so there's, there's a history that is blocked off to us, which is kind of terrifying to be like, Oh yeah, I have no idea like where we come from or like what we're doing. Ancestry.com obviously can kind of give us some of those things, but like our story is, here it starts with these two um and that is terrifying because i don't have a pattern or a history to fall back on but it's also incredibly liberating because that path is is ours to really make um so yeah that's kind of where how i kind of view it is yeah what about you sir um i think going off of that i think um as hard as it has been for sure, and I think I've struggled a, a bit with what I just said as well, of just you know, not knowing those sides of our family, but I also think about how just remarkable it is through all of that pain. It's what brought all of us to sit here now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, without 
those decisions, without those decisions, without um, and and those consequences, we wouldn't be sitting here. And so, um, and then again, I think it goes back to um, you know what I talked about earlier, um, where the, we have this big hurt and we're asking why, um, but God's timing and His plan is so much broader um, and it's so much um, bigger than we can comprehend, and how we wouldn't even be here. Um, without it. And so I think, um, let's go back more to the question. Um, I think it's, it showed a level of transparency. Um, and I, I alluded to this like really early on, um, kind of just you know how honesty is a big thing in our house. Um, but how, when, um, you know, the church unfolded with stuff with our, um, other siblings and, and, um, even like, no matter what the hurt was, it was always brought to the forefront, but it was never, a forced burden onto our lives. Like it was a, it was a very healthy, as, as horrible as some of these things were, we were all processing it in the best way we knew how. There was no blaming, there was no pointing fingers. Mm. Um, and I think mm. that showed an example of just the leadership that you both carry um, and that I want to carry for my own family one day um, of just, you know, I'm going to have um, you know, hopefully I don't experience that level of hurt, but I might, you know, and, um, but I'll be able to look back kind of what I talked about earlier as well, of just having these two to say, you know, okay, I know what to do in these certain situations because they've paved the way for me. And so I think you guys have showed that for me as well, of just when these traumatic things hit and these hard times hit, um, and questions don't get answered, how to respond to that, how to example that to your kids. And, um, I think it's, been incredible to see uh, for me and I think for all of us as well. It's good. I'll offer something just uh, more present-minded. I just think the closing of the church last year, um, at least at the time of this recording, uh, was a really interesting thing to walk through because Riley and I were involved with it from the very beginning and were super present and active, but we were also in college for half the life of the church. And so there was a bit of distance, like physically speaking, where like it was our church home on Sundays, but it wasn't our church community like throughout the week. So I think when the church closed, it was really sad and heartbreaking, but we were more heartbroken for you guys than we were for like the church. And now church planting myself, I think what I was so amazed by was how any church planter's biggest fear is closing the church because your identity is so closely tied to this like brand new community that God births within you. And like, there's so much vision and commitment and pain and hardship that goes with forming this church community. So when it closes or when it fails, it's like you failed. And I think on the other side of that, like watching you guys come out of that and seeing like, wait a second, like your life's not over. Like this Mm. isn't, the church didn't have this hold on you that we thought or that I thought it did, you know, or that that I think it does even right now, you know, for my own church. Like um, that was really, really powerful to watch you guys walk through that and Mm. who you are now today on the other side of what you thought was your biggest failure, but has I think positioned you guys for what God wants you guys to do for the rest of your life, which is reconciling people back to Jesus, you know? Um, so that's been really cool to see. Cool. Well, it hasn't always been easy, but you guys have fought and really made some intentional decisions as adults to like build relationships with us. 
Um, what has been like maybe one thing that you've chosen to do or tried to do, you know, now that you're out of the house to try to make sure that we have a healthy relationship going forward that as somebody's listening, maybe somebody has a 10 year old or maybe somebody has, you know, a two year old, um, you know, kind of looking back now, what are some decisions, what's the decision that you've made to try to make sure that you are still maintaining or building a relationship with, with us as your parents? I think for me, as I'm at college, I'm five hours away. Um, and I think there's a, this is the furthest I think any of us have ever been um, from from home. And so it's been new, but I think, I mean, a college, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Brother, what? Middle child syndrome. Yeah, in college, sorry. Um, but I think, um, what has been good um, for me, at least, to uh, um, you know, still stay in touch. It's very rare that um, these two. It's going to sound really wrong, but I promise it'll make sense. It's very rare that they call me. Um, it's it's on my, they will call me. All right, they're not, they're great parents. Um, but I think for me, it's on my decision and my timing to to call them and to spend that time with them over the phone. Um, and not just that, to stay in touch with them about things that we have in common. Um, we, uh, me and my dad love basketball. Um, even though I'm not playing, I still love it. And so we'll text about the Lakers game. We'll, I'll call him real quick and say, hey, did you see, even if it's 30 seconds, did you see that shot? Um, if there's a new Marvel trailer, I'm sending it to my mom. If there's a Dune trailer, <laughs> if there's a dog videos. video, I'm sending it to my mom. Um, so it's, it's little things, um, you know, and, and I think that mm – -hmm paves the way for when they do call me it's not like uh you know our catch-up of how's life uh you know they know and it's you know some people are different some people are just they get to college and like screw everything i'm here and i'm not calling if that's if that's what suits you i mean go ahead uh but you know i think i love having a relationship with both of you and so you know for me it's it's filling for me in my day um even if it's just for a, a couple minutes to just have that quality time with you guys. I'm like the complete opposite. Like when I, <laughs> like, like in, not like in a, in a, just different wirings. Like mm -hmm. when people are out of sight, they're out of my mind. Like, and, it, and it's not like a, they're just not there. Like, it's like, I, it's not that I'm not, maybe I'm not being intentional. I don't know. I need to call people more, but like there's a trust I have in them that if we need to catch up or if I miss them, I can call. I don't really, um, I don't need to call every day. And so like when I was living in Portland, I was in college, um, really up until living with them, I'd probably call them like once, once a month, maybe once every two weeks. Um, and it wasn't because I hate my family. Like I, I love them. I just, I know that they're living their lives. And so, um, and so when I do call them, I want that hour and a half phone call where we're like, here's the whole entire lay down. We're gossiping and, and making connections about it. Like that, that, that to me is, uh, that's kind of how I've maintained it. Um, yeah. So like it works both ways. And like, honestly, like I think for your, if you got a, a little 10 year old or a two year old, just, just show up, just show up at however they can. And if they want space, um, they'll, they'll let you know, like kids are, <laughs> kids are, kids can communicate that. And if maybe they don't know how to say that verbally, you can, you can look at verbal or just kind of body language and don't take it personal. Like again, Isaiah's going to call mom and dad every single day. I'm going to call them maybe once a month and we both love our parents. So like that, that's not a reflection on you as a parent. 
Um, it's just how your kid's uniquely wired. And um, so let them, let them come to you how they feel comfortable coming to you. Mm-hmm. And I think I split the difference in this <laughs> conversation. So, um, yeah, I think for me it was more I'm, I live 15 minutes away. So we're in the same city, but we live in two completely different parts of the city and could easily miss each other if we wanted to. But I think for Riley and I, it's really important in this season of life you know, we, we helped you guys plan a church. Now you guys are helping us plan a church. And so trying to cultivate space in times where we're not asking anything of each other, we're just simply being together. So Mm -hmm. whether it's like showing up to the house and just like enjoying a meal together or watching a movie or going to the movies together, where it's just like, we're just hanging out. We don't need anything from each other. Mm -hmm. Just going to grab a meal together. Um, that's good on a random, on a random night. But also like intentionally planning and structuring it in a way that allows us to like know like we're prioritizing this like we want to protect this night to be together i think it's really important also kind of brag about dad real quick uh dad last night because my my kid came over and dad made these baked potatoes and i just they were so good i have to put it down (laughs) the podcast like they were it was insane mom said she wanted a baked potato bar and it delivered and it was it was insane so uh, that's it then we got off on a tangent (laughs) using a um Alexa. <laughs> <It's a fart. laughs> okay, we, we need to uh, close this up. A, a very quick 30-second response. Favorite Christmas memory that comes to mind as we go into the holiday season? My personal favorite is when my sister, Janaya got a justice bag. Uh, she, she was probably seven. Wow, seven. that's crazy. Seven. Seven. Yeah, it was our first Christmas. Our first Christmas. And uh, she... Screamed louder than having uh, brothers in the house. It was the first time a high pitch like that was ever heard uh, in the household. But it was awesome. It was awesome. That's probably my favorite. My favorite Mm. memory. And enchiladas. Oh yeah. Mom makes enchiladas uh, for every Christmas. The only food I make. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Oh crap. Uh, I think for me, it's. There's, there's like so many, like there's such good gift givers, like, and my love language I'm realizing is gifts. So it's like, even like just being thought of, like, here's something for you. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. Um, but what I, you want to say is the amount of socks that I end up getting. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> this isn't my favorite, but it is the most funny. Uh, like two years ago, I asked for socks for my mom, but I didn't really ask for anything else. And my mom, I'm not kidding, got me like. Probably like twenty four. <laughs> it was it was egregious. Yeah. It That's was, just socks. They're like funny. They're, they're like socks, funny, like, so. like 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 Abraham Lincoln's on them. It's like it's like crazy stuff. So yeah, that's a funny one, I guess. All right, what about you, Micah? We had one Christmas where Dad was not working in ministry, and it was I think it was our first Christmas where you were not in ministry. And yeah. made a lot of money. Made a lot more money than he was making in ministry. I <laughs> I had always cherished and loved being a pastor's kid and that Christmas all that went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> this is what not being in ministry is about. My heart is healed. All for it. I don't even it was everything. So well I before uh, Dad, you or Justin, whoever you are <laughs> have closing thoughts. Don't call me dad on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. Let's go. We gotta go. We gotta go home. Um, I have not been emotional. This oh my gosh. Welcome to our family. Um I just I want you guys to know that um I I literally am just so proud of each of you and um besides my faith and my relationship with dad, like you guys are 
my dream come true and I have loved, um, I've always loved motherhood. I, I don't think I really liked you guys when you were um, like three, <laughs> any of you. Um, but other than that year, um, you guys have just been a joy. And I, I am just proud of the men that you are and how uniquely different you are. And it's really more evidence of who God is than even us as parents. But I do just want to like publicly say thank you for how you guys have been our, you know, ride or die through all, just all of it. It's been such a freaking crazy ride um but i I know uh, sufferings to come and i know that there's so hard times that we're gonna face but i'm so grateful that even in the hardest of times we find our way to joy and laughter usually at each other's expense (laughs) but i just love you all so much so thanks thanks for being here guys Well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with our three kids as much as we did. Uh, We all learned something about our family (laughs) over the last 30 minutes. We sure did. But before we wind down season three of the Let's Get Real podcast, we want to let you know that we just opened up registration for the new and improved Refine Us Weekend Experience. We want to invite you to Nashville, Tennessee, which was our home for six years. We love Nashville. The Refinus Weekend Experience is going to take place at the Virgin Hotel, which is downtown. It's a beautiful hotel, and it is going to be a weekend filled with fun, hopefully romance, and growth and transformation in your marriage. And so if you are in a good place in your marriage, this weekend is for you. If you find yourself that you're in a tough place in your marriage, this weekend is for you. It's going to be so much fun, and we want to invite you to join us. May the 3rd through the 5th, you can circle your calendar now. Uh, Registration is open. We have payment plans available, or you can pay all at one time. You can go to refineus.org slash weekend for more information. We'll put that in the show notes as well. You guys, this is it for season three. I can't believe we've already had three seasons for the Let's Get Real podcast. You guys are amazing. We love hearing from you and we want to continue to hear from you. Let us know the guests that you want to hear from, topics that you want to talk about for season four and we'll see you soon. 